Hey there, I'm Leah Party, and you're listening to Bare Naked Soul, a podcast where we have real, uncensored conversations about the things we aren't supposed to talk about. Let's break all the rules and shed all the programming that's ever made us feel weak, scared, and caused us to shrink ourselves. It's time to live uncaged, freely expressing ourselves and manifesting our dreamiest, juiciest, and most pleasure-filled lives. Let's do the damn thing. Okay, you guys, I have, I know I say this every time I have an interview, but I do have a really special guest today and I really mean it because you guys know I don't spend like a ton of time on social media, like consuming other people's content. I really try to stay in my own lane and spend as much time away from my phone as possible. And so Kristen Lynch, I'm interviewing today. She's honestly one of the very, very, very few people that I've been following along with her journey for three years or so. And she's someone that like, I look at every single Instagram story of hers. I read all her posts. I just want to stay up to date with all of it. It's just always so juicy. It's always so captivating. Her and I tend to like have a lot of the same themes going on at the same times. So you're going to want to listen to this interview. You're going to want to go check her out on Instagram and follow along with her and listen to her podcast because she has a lot to say. And I really like that about her because so many people are just like regurgitating the same things and playing small and being afraid to like have make bold statements. So that's why she's here today. She's also someone I've met in person. We, um, we were both in a mastermind like three years ago, separate, separate cohorts of the same mastermind though, like Mm -hmm. the same coach somehow that made us meet on Instagram. Yeah. Literally anyone I've met on Instagram, I'm like, how did we get connected? Neither of us have any idea, but somehow we found each other. Yeah, luckily. And then we were on each other's podcast like three years ago. We met up in person like a year and a half ago. Um, and yeah, I'm proposing we hang out again at some point in the near future soon yes. life, to talk about all yes. We're also really bad at staying in touch for as much as we are in the loop with each other on social media, we should get together more often <laughs> yes at least on zoom I feel like I just remember us like we went to Cleveland because that's in between both of our houses and I just remember us walking around that path by the river talking about like astral projection sex and like everything else under the sun yes I that entire trip could have been our our podcast episodes for the year like if we just recorded that we would be good we talked about so much Yeah. And it is, we were just talking about podcast interviews, keeping them conversational, but also how to do that in a way that like fits everything in. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like if we could just record us in our natural habitat, like, you know, just walking around and laying in the sunshine and um, the like authentic conversations. Yeah. That's so good. So I'm going to read your bio. So Kristen is an empowerment coach who helps ambitious women thrive in body, work, love, and life through feminine wisdom. She's also the founder of the internationally charted Goddess Talk podcast. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Give us a little background. Tell us like what you were doing before you entered into the online space and became a coach. Yeah. How did you become weekend. Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for that gorgeous intro. I'm like, I feel the same way about you. I also like, there's very few people that I watch that I follow up on, on social media and you are, you're in my top few as well. So I'm glad that top feeling eight. is mutual. Like my space, would I be in your top eight? You'd be in my top eight. <laughs> okay. Good. You'd be a fave friend for sure. Yeah. So my spiritual awakening, I think like so many, it was definitely a dark night of the soul experience season. It was actually probably a handful of them before like the ultimate peak dark night of the soul. And the way that I see it today was basically it was this manifestation of all the ways that I was living out of alignment. So all the ways that I was out of alignment with my soul, all of the ways that I was living out of alignment with my purpose, and even just my authentic expression as a human being and my nature and my essence as a feminine being and a sensitive being, like the, my lifestyle and quality of life was totally not supporting me on any level. And I really part of the way that that showed up throughout my life was I sort of took on this 
identity, this good girl persona, this people pleasing identity. I followed all of the rules. I had a lot of approval seeking tendencies. I was a perfectionist and had a lot of like damaging overachieving tendencies and um, to the point where I would completely deplete myself and it manifested and showed up in so many different ways. But um, at one point it was body dysmorphia and an eating disorder. At one point it was anxiety and depression. And the peak was during college when I got diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. And that experience became my spiritual awakening because one, it showed me that basically everything about how I was living my life needed to change. So I left an almost five-year relationship. I stopped the I completely stopped the corporate path that I had spent my entire degree preparing for. I became a yoga teacher and started teaching yoga. I had friendship circles change and extended family dynamics change. Like so much needed to be released and so much needed to die and be let go of so that I could really be reborn on so many levels. And even just the quality of my life. Like I really started to embrace this present and slow and pleasure led type of living. And I learned about my cycle and started to embrace my inner seasons and embrace periods of rest and even embrace like the four seasons, slow down. Um, and the other thing that it showed me was that it really awakened me to the dimensions beyond the physical. So I started trying to heal by just basically doing all of the practical things. So I saw the doctors, I took supplements, I changed my diet, I did blood work and that got me pretty far. And then I started to plateau and eventually I started to get worse. And that was my introduction to, okay, what are all of the things that are contributing to me being sick that are actually on a belief level or an identity level or an energetic level or an emotional level, a reflection of my disconnection with my own spirit and with God. And so it was bringing more of a holistic perspective and looking at all of those layers that eventually started to truly create healing and brought me out of that experience. And eventually then brought me into my gifts and my purpose and led me to my business and all of the things from there. Wow. So, I mean, I think you probably would agree with this, like things we go through in life. And I don't know if I believe that God or the universe is orchestrating things we need to learn to, in order to heal, like maybe, maybe not, but like, don't you feel like in all of the darkness, like there are lessons, no matter which way you look at it. hundred percent. 100%. I think um, it's interest. It's an interesting question. Like, is it, are these things planned to happen to us? Like, are, are they like soul, like soul contracts? Are we destined for these challenges or are we not necessarily destined for them? But if we start to live in a way that's not in service to us, or that's not right for us, or that's not authentic to us, we end up attracting those, or we end up creating those to ultimately redirect us back to something that actually would fulfill us. And, um, grow us spiritually, evolve us in the way that we're meant to. So it's a hard question to answer, but hundred percent, I think my biggest growth and transformation has been from these dark night of the soul moments. And that's why I love teaching about this because I think as a, as a society, like we we're so uncomfortable around like death and darkness and void spaces and challenge. We want to just, and even intense emotion, we want to just bypass that and continue on in our linear logical direction. But there's so much medicine and wisdom and insight and clarity that comes from leaning into these inward seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what our entire society is. It's, it's an avoidance of feeling anything, you know, feeling anything raw, feeling just the human experience. Like we just want to run away from it. We want to numb it out. We want to distract ourselves and we want, we want things to go our way right the fuck now. And if it takes a little bit longer, that's not okay. And like, I'm guilty of this, you know, there's things today where I'm like, okay, when's this going to happen? Right? Like, of course. Um, But I think it's a really, it's something that like, sometimes I find myself tiptoeing around, you know, especially with, with things like a death, with things like um, serious, serious things in life that people have been through, you know, not to say like, oh, well, like your trauma is here to teach you something. But like it is and it can and whether or not we believe or anyone listening believes like that 
everything happens for a reason. Like maybe you believe that, maybe you don't, but either way you can use everything you've experienced and everything you continue to experience for growth, like all of the darkness. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I never realized was that the level that we resist our own pain or our own darkness is also the level that we resist our own true pleasure and true light. Like if you're close to one, you're actually close to the other. So even if you like think that you're living this comfortable life, the level of pleasure that you can actually experience when you're suppressing all of your discomfort and pain and anxiety and darkness and despair and grief, like the level of pleasure and and joy and beauty that you actually get to experience is so fucking small to what's actually available to you, but you have to be open to be able to experience any of it. That's such a good point. I don't think I've really thought about it like that before. Like, I love that, but it's so true because when I think about myself, you know, before I knew about all of this, um, I was very much numbing out. I was like binge eating and I didn't know why. And I thought it would never stop. And it was literally me not wanting to feel stress or whatever it was happening from the day. Yeah. Binge eating, drinking, you know, lots of alcohol, like just always being distracted, always being on my phone, noise, elite, like overthinking all of it. And not, yeah, it distracts you from feeling the, some of the stress and anxiety maybe, but it also keeps you from really being present, like enjoying like sex at that time. I mean, sure. I enjoyed sex, but I wasn't present during it. So it was like half of the enjoyment as it is now when I can turn my mind, not turn my mind off, but be present for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what we talked about on our conversation on my podcast. It's like, you're so, when you're, when you're not present, you're missing out on so much of the fullness and the richness and like the juiciness of the experience. You're getting like such a surface level taste. And I think we also get to like, not be so afraid of, of these darker, denser emotions. Like in my experience, there's actually pleasure that comes from feeling anything fully, like any emotion felt and experienced fully is bliss. If you like dance out your pain, dance out your grief, like scream out your fucking rage, like eventually you're going to get to a place where you feel free, you feel alive. And that is bliss. There's pleasure in any type of sensation, any type of fully present, fully experienced moment, I believe is pleasure. Wow. That's like a mic drop. Like (laughs) true. It's true. You, you, yeah. When you, like, I, I used to, for a while have like rage days, like once a month, I would just feel angry and whenever it came up, I would just scream into a pillow or like, you know, dance out the rage or yeah, like do whatever I need to do to feel it. And yeah, it's such a beautiful experience because it's, we just, all we have to do is remember that our emotions are safe to be felt. They're not, we're not going to die because we feel an emotion. So what would you say, okay, so like it can be really, really difficult to step into a lifestyle where you're embracing the ups and downs and where you're present and where you're living in that more like slow way. So I know something you ta- you like teach about is like masculine overdrive. Can you kind of explain that to us, that trap and like maybe talk to us about how you shifted into like a more slowy, slow, flowy way of life? Yes, this is my jam. Um, I, in a lot of ways, I feel like I was born to teach this because my whole life I was in masculine overdrive. (laughs) So like all of my problems were created from that. Um, but it makes sense that so many women experience this because one, as we've been talking about our entire culture and world, we just completely reject the feminine. We've we're afraid of it. It's mysterious. We don't like the unknown of it. We like certainty. We like logic. We like linearity. We, we love productivity. We love rationality. Like that's where we're comfortable as a society. We, and, and also like anything, anything unpredictable or, um, yeah, anything unpredictable, like emotions, we just want to, we want to contain, like, we don't want to experience those. We want to regulate them. Um, Wisdom or intuition, those are very scary to us because they don't feel very tangible. So we like knowledge and like intellectual knowledge. Um, We just live in this very fast paced world that has 
I think is very afraid of the feminine, but it's also devalued the feminine. And also the feminine has been harmed, obviously, in many ways. Women have been the targets of, women and girls have been the targets of abuse and violence in so many ways throughout time. And so I think all of us have just concluded in our minds, consciously or unconsciously, that the feminine is not safe. And so in order to be safe, we have to, um, in order to be safe and also in order to be loved, we have to put on this shell of protection, which basically is masculine overdrive. So as women, we've learned to suppress our emotions, deny our intuition, deny our cyclical nature. Our bodies follow this, this cyclical rhythm every single month. And we expect ourselves to show up in the exact same way every single day and come up, show up to work and be able to present like speaking engagements and, and have the same level of mental focus and energy levels every single day when our bodies are the complete opposite of that. Um, we're obsessed with hustle. We want, like a lot of women will find themselves in as like control freaks. Like we have a lot of trouble surrendering, opening to receiving. A lot of us struggle with burnout. Um, a lot of our creativity is really stifled and inspiration is really stifled because again, we're just numbing out. We're not actually in our bodies. We spend so much time in our minds. We're not present to where inspiration really comes from, which is being like alive and engaged with your moment. So I think part of masculine overdrive comes from just the way that our society is set up. It doesn't really allow for us to be in our feminine energy. And also I think it, it's the way that we're socialized as women as well is to just not be too much, not be too loud, be nice, be agreeable, be respectable, be cute. Don't be too sexy, but be beautiful. And there's all of these standards that have been placed on us. And I think we've really learned to contain our natural essence and, and suppress and deny and diminish so that we're not seen as like the the too much wild woman like essence that we that truly is the feminine that like chaos intensity darkness like that's just too much for our society to handle and so we've really suppressed those energies within us and taken on this shell that makes us be able to participate in society but does not help us to thrive as women at all yeah yeah I mean I feel that so 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 much. I mean, I was a perfectionist, um, still recovering perfectionist and was a major workaholic, like extreme. We talked about this before, like, why do you think so many people in this space, in the online business space, like, or is it just so many women in general struggling with perfectionism, but it's also, it's the high achievers. So I guess it kind of makes sense. I think so. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurs generally attract that personality type. That's like ambitious, really high standards, self-motivated, creative. And I, a lot of creatives tend to be not necessarily self-critical, like, cause we always see the vision. So we're always in rejection to like, what is now always reaching for the next thing. So I think it's like this perfect storm that a lot of entrepreneurs are perfectionists. Right. Okay. So what are, like, how did you start to flip that switch? And what was that experience like for you? And like, are there still times when you feel that like overdrive and how do you like soften back into the feminine? Yeah, yeah, I definitely still feel it. I think there are so many layers to any of these patterns, like the people pleasing, the good girl, the perfectionist, overachiever, um, the numbing out, the disconnecting, like they're all of like our entire life tell, tells us and tries to pull us into masculine overdrive. So everything in a way is working against us. So there, it's an ever evolving journey of always having to reconnect, um, release, release layers of belief, release um, old patterns. But um, I think one of the things that really shifted for me was, I think before I had a, a lot of inadequacy and lack and unworthiness that were really at the root of all of this, like driving the need to always be productive, driving the need to achieve, driving the need to be liked. And so it was really an inward journey of giving myself the validation first, giving myself the approval first, falling in love with myself first, seeing my own beauty and radiance first. Um, and trusting myself first when I started my business, it was a really big journey of 
like receiving my own gifts first, seeing the value of my own wisdom first before the world was going to see it, falling in love with my art and my projects first and the programs that I would offer. It's always about me going first, me approving myself, me falling in love with myself, me being kind to myself, gentle with myself, me taking on new beliefs that I want to, that I want to live out versus what everyone else tells me I I should believe or how everyone else decides to live their life. I think it's really ultimately been a journey of taking my power back and starting to give myself my own sense of worth and enoughness versus trying to find that in something outside of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like the trap that most people live in is looking for worth outside of you thinking like hustling for your worth to do listing for your worth thinking that like once you have this thing once you hit this goal you're going to feel worthy and then that doesn't happen so then you need more and more and more it's like this endless cycle yeah and when when you you find that place of wholeness within yourself that alone creates a lot of safety because instead of feeling this I'm unsafe because I'm not enough. So I have to constantly be hustling in that process. We naturally get to soften. We naturally feel safe and space to slow down. We naturally feel space to um, like relish in our own present magnetism and enoughness and beauty and radiance. We're not constantly trying to grasp and reach out and rush to the next thing. It's the sense of like, I've already arrived. I'm already enough. Like I'm perfect as I am. And I can have desires. I can still have things that I want, but it's this relaxing into the wholeness that's like already here and always been here. Yeah. You know what I feel like so many women struggle with that keeps them from experiencing that is like, there's a guilt to, to relaxing. There's like this massive guilt to not being productive all the time. How do you, like when you work with people on this, like what are some things that you help them? How do you help them release some of that guilt and like practice these things? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of guilt. Um, There's also guilt around like when it comes to pleasure, there's a lot of guilt and shame as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of it is it feels wrong to be in pleasure because so many people are struggling and suffering and or just like living mediocre lives. So who am I to be this like turned on alive, juiced up woman? <laughs> and then of course there's also this like religious shame around pleasure is wrong. It's sinful, it's dirty. Um, and, and then, like you said, with like rest is another really big one. Like where would my value be if I wasn't producing and achieving and making money and climbing the corporate ladder or like outliving the rat in the rat race of entrepreneurship or whatever it is. Um, And so one of the like practical things that I do with people is help them to basically build up their capacity to be in these new energetics that at one initially feel really unsafe. So if rest or slowness is feeling really unsafe or if pleasure, ease, flow, lightness is feeling really unsafe, you're wanting to be in like struggle and force and hustle or maybe you are like a control freak and that feels really safe to to be like tightly wound and gripping on and micromanaging outcomes. And it's surrender trust that feels really edgy or unsafe. Something as simple as just playing with making a 1% energetic shift. So you can start to work your edges of leaning into these new energetics. So what would it look like for you to slow down in your day, just 1%. So it's a very subtle shift. Mm -hmm. What would it look like for you to surrender here in something that you're being really, really like overthinking mental about if you were to surrender 1%, how would that feel in your body? What would that look like? How much would you have to open to get to 1%? Or yeah, if you're in hustle mode and you feel yourself going into burnout, like what would it look like to bring in just 1% pleasure or joy or bliss or fun to this project. And in that process, we start to see like, oh, when I bring in just a little bit of slowness or a little bit of rest, or when I allow myself to just feel 1% of an emotion or surrender 1%, like one, I didn't die, nothing terrible happened most likely. And also maybe some really amazing things happened. Like, oh, I actually rested and I got this super good idea for a new project that I want to create. 
interesting. I'm going to collect that as evidence that it's safe to rest. Interesting. And I'm going to try it again tomorrow. And maybe I'll go maybe 1% tomorrow feels a little bit more than 1% felt yesterday, or I surrendered. And actually the outcome that I was trying to control still happened. Interesting. Or maybe it happened, but it, in a slightly different way. Okay. Interesting. It's maybe it's actually safe to surrender. I brought in fun and this is, this is what happened instead. Like, and then collecting all of that as evidence that then gets to change the story that we're holding about what it actually means to be in the feminine, how safe it is. And then how much of a fucking contribution it is to our lives when we think it's going to be the thing that like is our downfall and destroys all of our progress. So it's always the simplest things I find that, that create the most magic for people because it's like, it just feel, it feels so subtle that it doesn't feel there's less resistance to then if you were to try to surrender like a hundred percent when you have so much fear around that. Yeah. I love that because I feel like that approach is, it's like a curiosity, like a playfulness to it. Like it keeps yes. small, like little incremental upgrades. I love that. I saw a quote earlier. It was in a book. It was, it said the two things we desire most are freedom and security, which are opposing, right? Because if you like desire freedom, you'd be like, I'm going to start a business or whatever. I'm going to leave this relationship and whatever. But then like security is wanting the steady job, the steady partner, the steady, whatever. Do you feel like, like, what is that? What do you think of when you hear that? That's so true. When I'm, is my first reaction, like, wow, I've never thought of it that way. But what's coming through is like, that's, that's feminine and masculine. Like the masculine is the safety that we want. And then the feminine is the flowing chaos, (laughs) ever evolving and changing multidimensional freedom (laughs) that we're desiring. So the perfect like ultimate desire is the place in between, I guess, that feels like we get to, we've created a sense of security, but in a way that is on our own terms. And maybe there, maybe it's more like a dance too. Like we get a, we have freedom and then we create a little bit of security and then we crave more freedom. Like maybe it's more like this flow between the two versus this exact point in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Because when it comes to like balancing the masculine and feminine, there's never like an exact balance. It is sort of a Definitely dance. Not. It's like one day I might be more in one, might be more in the other, but it's always the thing. I feel like if you, like, if you stay on top of how you feel, I mean, for me, it's always, I'm too much in the masculine when I feel shit. <laughs> like it's never like, I'm, I don't think I'm ever too much in the feminine because I think our society kind of prevents that you know, and, and especially yeah. being, being like a recovering perfectionist and like a former workaholic and, and just a high achiever. Cause I think that's another fear people have is okay. If I start surrendering, if I start letting myself relax, like, will I go too far? Oh, but it's like, yes, can, can you trust yourself that you're not going to like become this like lazy, like couch potato. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This is so good. Um, and it's interesting. Well, one thing I want to say first is like, as much as I consider myself like a feminine energy mentor and a feminine embodiment mentor, like I'm still a very masculine person in a lot of ways. Like even just being a leader, a lot of those qualities, being an entrepreneur, being a business, like it's always going to be very masculine and there's nothing wrong with that. Some of the things about me that are super masculine, I love, and I don't want to change. Um, so it's not to say that if you come and do this work, you need to be this perfect 100% feminine either at all. Like, I think you can embrace both, but like you said, most likely most of the work and reminding and reconnecting and is going to be around softening, surrendering, feeling, sensuality. Like that's probably going to be the main work, but you definitely do not have to stay in the feminine. That's not the ultimate goal. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. What was your question? Oh, I don't really know what my question was. (laughs) It was around, oh, it was, okay. It was a really good question. It was around like women that are high achieving, feeling afraid that they're going to lose that if they lean too much into the feminine. Like, will I become a couch? What if I become a couch potato? Yeah. So one thing is, this is part of why I don't think the goal is to be hundred percent feminine because some of those qualities are 
who you were born to be. That's, that's, and that's who you are. You're meant to be high achieving. You're meant to be ambitious. Like that's, that's, what's going to get you to get your gifts out into the world. That's, that's, what's going to get you to, to lead your artistry and to like lead the mission that you're here to create. So it's not about reprimanding yourself or trying to overcome or diminish certain parts of yourself. I think you still get to be ambitious and do it in a way that still honors your, your need and desire for pleasure, your need and desire to prioritize your well-being, your need and desire to prioritize intimacy and love and your sexuality and your relationships and your body and the way that your body feels and your presence and the quality of your life. I think it's, it's a both versus like one or the other. Totally. Yeah. And, and I don't think that you could like, even if you tried to just be this perfectly surrendered person, I don't think you, you could ever get rid of who you are at your core. And if, if you, if you are an ambitious person, like that's part of you, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And when you surrender and live in the moment and you're like in that flow space, you're still going to have inspired down. Like you're going to have more inspired downloads. You're going to have ideas. Your creativity is going to peak. You're going to be like, Oh, I could write this poem. I could start this thing. I could apply for that promotion that I've been like, whatever. You're going to have those ideas just as much, if not way, way, way more, like you're going to be more awake to them. And so, yeah, it's not like when you are in surrender, it's, it's, it's part of the journey to create it opens you up to create more and to also not be so afraid of taking the steps because when you're in that surrounded place, you're noticing your thoughts, you're noticing your fears. You're saying, oh, I'm, I'm having a lot of resistance here. Let's actually look at this, Let's actually feel this so I can move through it instead of just being in the, I feel like when a lot of times you're in the masculine overdrive, it's like hustle, hustle. You're like moving so fast that you might move through fear anyways, but you might be avoiding like the really cool, creative. Yes. Yes. Because you're just going and going and going. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, you end up seeing how actually when I am in touch with my emotions, that supports my creativity. Like it supports my ambition. When I'm in touch with my intuition, it connects me to my, the best way for me to show up for my mission right now in this season of my life that supports my ambition. So I think it's like, you start to see how they're actually so much more in harmony with each other and in relationship with each other than like at war with each other, you know? And I also really like the concept of devotion versus as like a halfway point between hyper-discipline and hyper-productivity. And then the like aloof, like too fluid, like inconsistent side, which is the more the feminine like shadow. So I think devotion is the halfway point that allows us to be like beautifully committed and in relationship to our goals and desires and um, creativity and, and creative projects and passions and purpose. But then we also get to be in devotion to our well-being, the way that we feel, our turn on, our life force, our relationships, like the process as well. So we get to be devoted to both so that we're not having to sacrifice one for the other, or it's not this all or nothing approach that I think a lot of people find themselves in when they're, when they're just beginning, like playing between feminine and masculine, it's, it can initially start off as an all or nothing experience or pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just so much fear around it because I mean, it's just, our world is set up like the country America is run by big corporations and they are run by the idea like of like increasing year over year profit every year constant growth grow and grow and grow and grow as big as you possibly can and more and more and more and more and more and never enough at any cost environmentally and humanitarian you know ethically it doesn't fucking matter we have to grow 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 that's how our countries run so that bleeds into like so many, just so much of like what we consume, you know, so much of what we consume in the media, TV, movies, um, people who are in corporate, people like me who like came from a super hyper corporate background who still carried a lot of those toxic things into their business, you yeah. know, so those messages are all around us. 
that like, if you're not growing constantly, then you're a lazy piece of shit. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's very much like a fear thing to lean back and trust. Like we, we aren't taught to trust at all. Like intuition. (laughs) So like, we don't learn that at all. I know. I know. It's really scary for most of us. I, so I love playing with rewilding because I think when, when we are in relationship with our wild and just with wild in general, it kind of does some of the work for us. So we don't have to like, it's not, it doesn't feel like we're just up against the whole world and we have to tear down all of these beliefs. So just something as simple as going, getting your ass into nature, like getting naked, walking barefoot, putting your hand, like putting your feet on the ground, putting your hands on a tree, going out and eating an apple from a tree versus eating a bag of chips that's processed. Like just that and something like that in and of itself or frolicking in the woods versus going to a gym with fluorescent lights and doing a workout that's like tracked on your iPod or your your Apple watch and you're counting your calories and it's like the specific time like go get lost in the woods for an hour, get away from your technology, get away from social media, go outside. Just by being in a rewilded environment, you are automatically closer to nature. You're automatically more connected to your body. You can feel your breath. You are less, your nervous system is naturally regulated being outside versus being in a, in your house. So you're less likely to be in fear thinking in your head, have stress hormones running, you are more likely to be connected to, to the divine, to God, being outside. Um, so just putting yourself in environments that get you out of that corporate, linear, logical, rational headspace is so deeply powerful. Or even being in a space where like setting aside time for you to actually not just like think about your emotions, but dance them out breathe them out, scream them out, like do something where you can drop out of your head and get into your body. Those, those, to me, they feel like pattern interruptions. It's like just being in that environment or taking yourself through a practice like that. It interrupts all of the patterns that are running that make you want to tighten up and constrict and contract and go into force, go into control, go into your logical fear-based brain. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really does change everything. Like when you go out into nature and you don't have your phone and you're, you could have your phone, but you're not like on it, you know, you you're in stillness, like you're in the moment. It's, it just changes everything. It changes how you feel. It does interrupt those patterns. And yeah, I'm someone who like, I'm not a gym person, you know, like I'm a thousand times would rather go hiking in the woods or do yoga and be in like a stillness type of a a mindset during my exercise. I feel like I get 17 times more out of a workout than when I'm like in a gym. Yeah. The only thing I go to the gym for is the sauna. (laughs) That sounds nice. I literally pay like a hundred dollars a month to sit in the sauna. (laughs) It's all I use yesterday my friends and I were like we were like walking to a sushi place and we were outside for you know five minutes and we were like cold and we saw like a place that said sauna and tanning beds and whatever and we're like oh we should just like walk in there right now and go in the sauna but I said can we de- go to tanning beds is there an option where you're not getting the I just want the heat of like laying in the tanning bed but yeah. it doesn't have to make me tan I just want to yeah oh that sun <laughs> I know the winter's as much as we talk about embracing the winters, they still can be hard without, with the, with the lack of sunshine is definitely hard on, on mental health. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would prefer the sunshine. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. But on that same note, I feel like I, a couple years ago, well, not even a couple. Yeah. Like I would say like two years ago and, and every year before that, I was like seasonal depression felt like shit every winter, hated it, complained about it nonstop. And every year for the past couple of years, I'm like surrendering to it more, embracing it more. Like I used to refuse to go for a walk if it was cold out. 
I'm not bundling up. It needs to just be warm out or I need to move. Mostly I just need to move, you know? And now I'm like really enjoying going on winter hikes. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm like so passionate about (laughs) telling people about it because it's life-changing. Like it's so, it's so shitty to live half of your year in misery because you're giving that much power to your mood and your well-being to the weather. (laughs) So when you can learn to, and it's like, it's like the openness that we were talking about before, when you can open, when you can be willing to be present and open and in relationship to any kind of experience, any kind of weather season, you're going to, you're going to learn to enjoy it. You're, there's going to be some kind of beauty. There's going to be something for you to receive there but you have to be open to being present with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to mean that like, I now I'm going to move to the North pole or wherever it's cold all the time. <laughs> like you, you can still be like, I prefer the sunshine. Like that's okay. Yeah. But like being able to embrace the seasons of life, it's like, well, we'd all would prefer to never be sick again. We would all prefer to, just have everything go perfectly forever. That's not life. We would all prefer to never have anyone we know die or leave us or any, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not life. Are you willing to learn by practicing with things like weather to say, I'm open to what life brings and I'm okay Mm -hmm. with what is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like little things that you can little things that you can see the gift in like, okay, it really sucks that it gets light at four or 5 PM, but also I kind of love that it does get dark in the evening so that I get to bed early and I'm so well rested this season. And I just, it, in the summer, I'm more likely to override my body's capacity and go into like just overworking and doing more, but because it gets dark, I do want to just be in my home and be cozy. And I tend to get much better sleep. And that feels nice. Or there's, I spend more time in my house and I'm cooking and working on like creating elaborate meals or baking. And that feels fun. Like there's little things that are actually kind of enjoyable when you, totally are. when you see them that way. Yeah. And like, I, I just, I feel like, so like in August, everyone's like posting all the memes of like, I can't wait for fall, bring fall. <laughs> okay. But the things you were excited about for fall still exist right now. Flannels and fuzzy socks and hot chocolate. Like, I don't know. I'm like really into the idea of like romanticizing life and like yes. romanticizing winter. So like, yeah, like at night, am I much more likely right now to be like on the couch for a longer time, curled up under a blanket with my husband, and my dog? Like, yes, like I'm not as into going out. And that, I, like, I'm embracing that. Like, that's cool. And yeah, like yeah. the summer and stuff, it's like so busy. I'm usually kind of like ready for the slower season, but we have to rig ride that out because it's it's easy to be like, oh, I'm excited for it. Now I hate it. It's like, no, remember <laughs> why you were excited about it. Tune into those things, like romanticize it, take a long mm. bath, like cook warm food and soup. And like, the, what are the things you can like about it? Because there are so many things. Yes. That felt like a mic drop too. I'm just like soaking in what you said. <laughs> Like I have nothing further to say. So good. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I do have one final question for you. Ooh, yes. Okay. Are you willing, this is a yes or no question. Are you willing to move with me into a luxury commune with individual small homes, um, a shared pool, a long table for having like community meals and a stage that we can listen to live music? Ooh, that's such a tough question. <laughs> Just kidding. Obviously, yes. Duh. We'll put it into place and we'll open up applications. Anyone yes. listening who wants to live there with us will need to apply. And Yes, that link will be in my bio <laughs> shortly. <laughs> Seriously though, like, I don't know. Now I could go on a whole rant about... Um, social media and I don't know like community community is like really important to me and being in presence of other humans and I feel like we're missing out on that so much in life um I think that you mentioned that you've like found some new people in your community this year do you have anything to say on terms of like 
opening up and expanding to new people that are like-minded? How did you find some of those people? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's two parts to this. One is part, like part of what allowed me to call in more friends was having better work-life balance and getting over some of the masculine overdrive that I was still experiencing. Even, even after teaching about it, there were still layers of this that were showing up in my business. And so getting out of my own like expression of this all or nothing or success, but with a lot of sacrifice, like, okay, I can have, I can reach this milestone in my business, but only if I'm stressed out and I have no time for plans and my relationship's suffering and my body is like stressed and dying for me to slow the F down. So in the last year, I've been doing a lot of work around one, just being able to hold all of it and having space for a life that feels really full on all the levels and being able to create success and reach milestones and move my business forward while also having many other priorities and being in seasons even where the business is not number one priority. And especially for my, my vision going forward, like eventually I want to get married and have kids and have a family. And if my business, if there's no room for my business to be a second priority, that's not going to be possible. Like the first couple of years, having a baby, you're going to have to make space for these other parts of your life. So yeah, part of, part of what allowed me to call that in, I think was learning how to create success in a way that didn't require so much out of me, didn't require so much effort, so much hard work, so much grind, so much perfectionism, like lowering my standards of the quality of output I had to put up, put out, honestly, allowed me to create so much more spaciousness and have so much more energy and capacity for all these other realms of my life that were kind of on the back burner. So that's one part of it. And then also, um, part of it was getting more like ballsy about reaching out to people. I think in the past, I've always kind of been like, oh, I'll, I'll let people come to me. Like, I'll just lean back and, and receive invitations. And that's, that's fun and that's great, but it doesn't make you not feminine to send out the first invitation sometimes. So, um, I, found a couple people that do similar work that are in the coaching space or the healing space. And I suddenly somehow, I think it started with me like setting an intention to create more friendships mm -hmm. and then being open to like amazing aligned beyond people coming into my life. And then when those people came in, whether it was on social media or in person, like making a strong invitation. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to a couple people that do similar work and started relationships with them. And that's been really nice because we've been able to support each other's businesses and social media and all that stuff like you and I do. Um, and then, but it was also really important for me to have like just friends that had nothing to do with my business and nothing to do with my work and could just be like girlfriends and we could just go out and chat and like have fun, random nights in the city and whatever, like just do fun social things. So that was another type of friend that I wanted to call in. So that was another intention. And then I do think that openness and desire, just claiming that and, and setting that as a priority within myself helped to bring in those people. Um, I've met like a couple different groups of people and like, I adore them. They're perfect. Like we're super aligned and really similar interests. And so then it was just, it's just been about like, yeah, making the first invitation and following up. And, um, it's so different building relationships, like in your adult life. And also as an entrepreneur, when you don't have like an office where you have gatherings and whatnot. So I think following up and having an ongoing relationship, like consistently reaching out to people and making plans is super important because otherwise months can go by and you realize you haven't seen each other yeah. <laughs> or talked the way that you and I, the way that you and I often are. Yeah. But yeah, that's what it's looked like for me. What about you? Yeah, well, same. I think like it really starts with setting that intention. Like I, at one point, I just had a very clear decision where I was like, no, I'm going to make new friends. Like, I, no, I'm going to meet new people because I had been telling myself the story that it was hard or like, yeah, all of the, or for a long time, I didn't believe anyone like me lived in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, I just, you know, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. for that story. So yeah, just really setting the intention. Um, I use Bumble BFF app to meet some oh, people, which is I really, that. 
I never got the opportunity to do online dating because I met my husband when I was 19. So that was fun for me to like, also be able to be like, okay, let's pretend, you know, let's yeah. um, and then also like for, for me finding networking groups, I don't even know how I found them. Um, but I guess it was from meeting. I don't even know how I found them, but there's a few networking groups in Pittsburgh that are really geared towards like like-minded like women's empowerment groups and mm-hmm. um like entrepreneur type networking events where I've met people who do similar businesses which like it's not like my my friends all have to like run a coaching business but I do love having um people to like co-work with and yeah send them my website and be like what do you think of this thing like you know yeah. and I get it so yeah it's been like a combination of things but definitely being open to it and being willing to be assertive and be like yeah I'm gonna reach out to this person and ask her out to lunch or whatever yeah it's been kind of fun to tap into that side of myself and play with like you know like just that unattached like send out invitations and like whatever, however they're received out there in the world is fine. But like, this is my desire and it's a priority. And so I'm going to take a stand for that. Oh my gosh. I love it. (laughs) So cool. Well, thank you for being here. Please reach out more often. Let's chat. So let's get on like zoom coffee dates and such. Um, let everyone know your, how to find you, your podcast or Instagram. You guys are going to want to go check her out. She's like such a freaking boss force on Instagram it's amazing but like a feminine boss oh my god like, you I know, love boss you. Babe, like macho-ness none of that feminine boss you know what I heard recently girl boss is dead now it's girl moss girl moss yeah oh, like that's moss. that's like yeah like like grass like that's <laughs> that's like the wild woman CEO yes um I don't know if that's supposed to be real or if that's just a meme but I'm I'm taking it on full force yeah but yeah so Leah will be on my podcast as well so come check it out it's at at goddess talk podcast on all major streaming platforms and then you can best way to get in touch with me is probably through Instagram so I'm at I am Kristen Lynch and the link in my bio will take you to my website and all the ways to work together and everything I have going on. Yay. And I will link your Instagram in the show notes. You guys can head there to go straight to her page. Um, okay. Everyone, thanks for listening. If you love this episode, you can take a screenshot, share on Instagram, tag us in it. We'll be so excited to see that you enjoy the episode. Um, I love you guys and we'll see you next week. <laughs>